Did you ever wonder where consciousness comes from? We're conscious beings that are aware of our thoughts, aware of our experiences, of phenomena around us. But consciousness itself, where does it come from? When an idea falls into your head, where does it originate from? It's not from the shower head. Now this isn't just an academic or psychological or, or a philosophical question, it affects everything we do. Because our conscious experiences are clearly the surface level of that which is happening beneath the surface, behind the scenes. Our memories, whether they are, we are aware of them or they're not aware of them, they can go back embedded memories from young childhood, traumas, positive experiences, are all somewhere within our psyche but in a concealed fashion. And that in turn will impact your external experiences, your fears, your joys, your attractions, your repulsions. So understanding where consciousness comes from, from its source, can help us also go back there and rewire and in some ways modify or improve that our conscious lives should be healthier. It also impacts creativity because our creative juices come from channels from, we'll call it our superconscious to our conscious. So understanding how creativity is born, ideas, innovations, is also critical to living the most successful life to actualize yourself. So please join me in this, I would call revolutionary talk based on Kabbalistic text that we're going to be reading inside called How Consciousness is Born. Six Steps from the Quantum Supraconscious to the Conscious. Please join me. Hi, Simon Jacobson, and we will be speaking today about how consciousness is born. Six steps from the quantum superconscious to the conscious. This program is dedicated by Yitzchok Weiner in honor of Rabbi Simon Jacobson and Rabbi Yosef Levin, who have helped me better understand godliness and creation and better apply myself to do good within it. Okay, so it's a heavy title. However, it's extremely relevant to us. Have you ever wondered where consciousness comes from? You know, we're conscious of our thoughts, of our experiences, of phenomenon around us. So we know there's the concept of consciousness. But where is consciousness born? Where does it originate from? And it's not from the showerhead, even though many ideas come to us in the shower. So whether some call it the unconscious or the collective unconscious or the subconscious, we'll call it the supraconscious because it's not subterranean, it's not beneath, it's behind, it's above. It precedes consciousness. Now why is this so vital to know? Besides the fact that we always want to know what makes things tick and anything that exists, you want to know how did it get there. 
just as we discover how elements are made up of molecules and molecules of atoms and atoms of subatomic particles. So we want to also know how our psyches work, our conscious psyches. But it's even further than that. By understanding our conscious behavior and where it originates from, we can help modify. Like, for example, if we have certain triggers that trigger anger or resentment or fear or insecurity, that's coming from somewhere. So our memories, whether we're aware of these memories or not aware of these memories, going back all the way from childhood and even earlier, are all embedded in our superconscious, and they're affecting our conscious behavior. So when you love or have challenges in the area of love and relationships, it's not a conscious challenge always. It's things that are happening behind the scenes. That's why they're not easy to remedy, because we can't see it. And we may not even know what's affecting us. Like, why do certain things trigger certain people and don't trigger others? Why some of us have certain fears and insecurities? Sometimes you could trace it. It's a good therapy. You can go back to your childhood and discover the way your parents treated you impacts your conscious life today. But that's also part of that superconscious. Another application would be in the area of creativity. We know our creative juices. What creates creativity? Why are some people more creative than others? Why are some people in certain states we find ourselves to be more creative than in other states? What can we do to make ourselves more creative? And that again is going back into that superconscious and seeing how from there it travels into the conscious. So another way of putting it is by understanding what is behind the scenes in the superconscious and how it gives birth to consciousness, we can go back and perhaps rewire some of that neurology, some of, that, some of the neurons. Because as the neurons are fired, that's how they get wired. Today, there's a growing interest in medicinal psychedelics and experiences of trying to reach that place, inducing it through different substances and ceremonies and experiences. And that too is part of this discussion. I'm not going to discuss it from a medical point of view or from a psychedelic per se point of view. However, it definitely addresses the same issue. What is most fascinating of all, and that's what leads me into our direct discussion, is that this has been addressed long ago by the mystics, by the spiritual masters, especially in Jewish mysticism when you go into the Zohar, for instance. So though it's quite cryptic, but it talks about these states of chachmestimah is a, is a Aramaic or Hebrew word, means the hidden wisdom from where originates revealed wisdom. So an idea, a flash of an idea, you get an idea in your head. Where did it come from? So there's an expression in the verse that says chachma ma'ayin. So we say, where did you come from? Ma'ayin tamatsa, where was this found? It's like something happens to you and you say, where did this come from? Where? What is this? Ma is a word. It's a word of marveling, a word of mystique, a word of mystery. Something elusive. So the conscious thought, many of them disappear very quickly and dissipate. But where did it come from? So the Kabbalists, these mystics, talk about this. Not just ideas, but in general consciousness. And then there are texts 
from the Arizal, Isaac Luria, the classic, the great Kabbalist of the 15th century in Svat. And a colleague of his, Rabbi Moshe Kordaviro, the Ramak, in his classic magnum opus called the Pardis. So I'm going to be using that Pardis as a source text for this class. We're going to go through some of those texts, and he describes as follows. Let's give an introduction. He describes that there are six steps. Well, let me go back one step before I get to that. The Pardis is somewhat of like an encyclopedia, not exactly, but he gathered together all the Kabbalistic writings in somewhat, we could say, rational Kabbalistic language, meaning it's not as cryptic as other Kabbalah, and gathered it together. So a lot of it is based on Zohar and previous Kabbalists and mystics, and he put it all together. So what I'm looking at right now is in the part of this gate five, he calls it Sha'ar, hey, gate five, which is called the gate of the order of Atzilut, chapter five. And he explains the following. He says there are six steps from the superconscious, what we call the quantum superconscious, to the conscious. Six steps. To make it a little more palpable, I'm going to use an example. This is my example. Because it's something we all can relate to. Because whenever you're dealing, going from a state of so-called quantum or beyond quantum, that's amorphous, nebulous, abstract, to something tangible, it's not always easy to imagine. So, of course, there's the classic example of gas, liquid, ice. The same water, the same H2O, that's in a liquid form, in a fluid form. If you heat it, it becomes gas. You freeze it, it becomes ice. So there you have three states. The gas, of course, is the most intangible. Liquid is more tangible, but it's fluid. And solid is the ice. But even a better example, especially when you want to get into the subtleties, is the example of the development of a fetus. From the moment of conception, when an egg is fertilized by a seed, so we have one cell. That cell will then split, and split again, and split again. And if you go through the different trimesters of the development of the fetus in the, embry in the embryo, in the mother's womb, you see literally development from one cell where everything was concentrated like in one seed, and then it develops. And you actually can see it physically today with pictures and images. And then nine months later, with God's help, it's a healthy child, a full-blown child, which still will grow and develop. And here we are, this complex adult, five, six foot tall, 100, 200 pounds. We're not going to go higher than that. All that started from one seed. The same thing like a seed that you plant in the ground, an apple seed. You look at the seed, how can this turn into a tree? And then it does. With the proper nurturing, the proper taking care, care, it will grow into a tree. So we have this um, around us all the time, the development of something from one state and its metamorphosis into another state. And there too, like with the fetus, it doesn't begin with something you can touch or you can measure, it's tiny, it's minuscule at that first cell, cell stage, but it will become a full-bodied adult, a full-bodied child, and then a full-bodied adult. The gas, water, the water example of gas, liquid, and ice, and solid, 
is also helpful to understand how things can transform. And if you looked at them independently, you wouldn't know that one leads to the other. So using this analogy, let, I'm going to read and translate from the Hebrew, the original Pardis. So this, it doesn't require any Hebrew language, but I just thought it would be good to ground it. So as I said, I'm reading from this chapter 5 in gate 5 of the Pardis. And he says the following. Let's read together. And I will explain and translate. So he talks about what is the process of how from a state of an um, abstract, intangible state comes tangible, def- defined entities. In this case, we're talking about consciousness. In the Hebrew, consciousness we'll use for the word chachma, sometimes translated as wisdom, but it's seen as the beginning of consciousness, that first, gl- first glimmer of awareness when you're aware whether it's an idea, whether it's an experience. So he says like this, that we let us now come to explain Seder Atzilosan, the process of how this emanated, this process, from a state what he calls Keser. Keser is a word used in Kabbalah. It means literally crown. But Keser is, an, is the name for supraconsciousness. It's like the crown. It's not. It's above the head. So just think of Kesra as, as a metaphor right now. It's, I mean, that's the term used, both in the Zohar and other Kabbalah. And Chachma is consciousness. So what's the process, how we go from Kesra to Chachma? So he says like this. Okay, so we're going to talk this order. And then he'll continue how it goes from Chachma to Bina, from that spark, how it develops into a more fleshed out concept. And as it travels from intellect, cognitive, to the emotional. But our focus here is the Kesa Chachma bridge. The superconscious and the conscious interface. Okay. So he says like this. That when it arose, what he means is it arose in the creator's will to emanate the Keser, that first state of uh, superconscious. So he did it within a forum that would also include the possibility of consciousness and define entities to emerge from it. So let's go back to the example of the fetus. That one cell, when you look at it with a naked eye, if you could, you won't see much. You won't see in a seed. But within it is the capacity of everything that's going to grow from it. So here's the fascinating thing. It doesn't just pop out as a child. It takes nine months of gestation. Same thing with the growth of any vegetation, a tree or so on. The same thing here. It's a process. And what's beautiful about it is it begins in a singularity, in a one cell, in a seed. And from there it develops. But the seed has to encompass everything in it. So if you're able to dissect the anatomy of the seed, what will you find within it? So there are going to be six dimensions, six levels. So let's continue. Okay. So there's level, these, we call it the ten spheres, are the ten dimensions that will emerge. Ten spheres is the entire structure. Just briefly, the three cognitive and the seven emotional. But these are all conscious, and they're all, all emerging from the superconscious of Kesa. So let's continue reading. 
So, so he says now that when this emanation happens from that state of Kesser, and the same thing as every other entity, it will include in it six stages within the seed, within the one cell of that superconscious Kesser. And here they are. Let's spell them out. Shishabchinus, six stages or six dimensions. The first, Habchina Allah, the first. In Hebrew, Bechina Hanelama, Koidam Geluya Besvira Hamaitzela Seisa. It's a level that is concealed before anything is revealed. And the Hinelema is called Kach, and it's so utterly concealed, to the point that it's almost invisible. It's almost like non-existent, actually. Not the right word invisible, non-existent. So it's there, but it's not there. Why is this so important? Because this is the this first interface between a state of complete amorphous, sublime, beyond definition. Something has happened. But you cannot define it yet because nothing has been revealed. That's what he calls his level one. Pchina Beis, level two. Now it becomes revealed. Not revealed as a separate entity. It's all within the superconscious. Keep that in mind. But in there, something has emerged. Something that you could identify. And here you don't say that it's almost not there, as if it's non-existent. It's existent. But it's all still encompassed, obviously. All six levels, I should say, are encompassed in that superconscious state. Bechina Gimel, third level. Gluya be'etzem el mekoyma haroi v'hainu metzia So, in stage two, it's still part of its so-called mother. It's still part of its original uh, source. Now, something has emerged that is beginning to define it as an entity of its own. It's still all part of the, the one cell, or even if the cell is split. So, so think of, let's say, in a fetus, we're talking about, let's say, in the third or fourth week. So you don't see a child yet. You don't see limbs, you don't see organs. But you can't say it's like the same when it was one cell. So something has emerged, and as you see it develop further, it will take on shape of its own. Until birth, it doesn't become a separate entity. But even in the stages as it develops, there are stages. So stage three is that something has identified it to be. So in this case, consciousness has already begun to emerge. Not in our consciousness. In the superconsciousness, you'll call it the consciousness within superconscious. Now all this is going to be extremely relevant as we shall discuss. You know, today we're going to cover the basic points and the next part, we will discuss its applications and implications and so on. But let's continue. So, so now you have something within another. For example, at the moment of conception, unless a woman has an instinct or there's a test made, you don't really know that anything happened. But there is a point where you begin to feel something, not feel a heartbeat, we're not talking, we're not even at that stage. But something has emerged that is beginning to develop. Okay. Bechina Revis, step four. 
It's now giving it the power and the capacity that this new entity called consciousness should be able to include other dimensions within it. Because right now in step three, what happened is you have something that, that will later become consciousness has emerged, but we don't yet know whether it has the capacity to include details, and it itself should branch out. You know, think of it in a tree. You can have the main, the main, the, the trunk of the tree, and even one main branch, but that branch should also have the capacity to branch out further. So the one cell splits into two, but you want the two cells to split into four, and four into eight, and so on. So he's saying in step number four, is giving it the power that this new entity that will be emerging should be capable of receiving and containing further branches and more details. That's four. So to just give a, a practical example, a teacher can teach a student an idea. And the idea can be broken into more ideas. But the question is, can the student teach this idea to others? Can he break it down further? He or she break it down further. So step four is the capacity to further perpetuate this diversity and the multitude that's necessary to create a full-blown entity. Step five now. He That it has the power, because right now, if you stop at step four, if everything stops right there, it's not going to develop into a child, in the example of the fetus. In this example, it's not going to develop into consciousness, in this application here. So now, this level is the power that it should emanate. Those hidden spheres that are now hidden within the superconscious, that they should have the capacity to become separate entities. That's what step five is. Step six, and this is the Bechina Shishis, The sixth step is that they are now revealed to each one to their respective location. Not just the capacity, but think of it in the level of the fetus. We're talking now a full-blown child ready to be born. It's still not still inside the mother's, mother's womb, but it's a full-blown child. So if you reverse the steps from the ninth month back to the third trimester, to the second trimester, to the first, you'll have these six steps using that analogy. And that analogy can help us understand how consciousness emerges from superconscious. And all this, mind you, is still in the superconscious state. So it's not just a simple process. Okay, superconscious, and we get to the conscious. In the superconscious, it's developing. And the interesting thing is, even though these are all invisible levels to us, just like the child is invisible within the womb, but it's there. So with a fetus and developing child, you can see it with a sonogram, you can test it, you can scan it, you can, there are different ways of, uh, of uh, recognizing it. Here, there's no x-ray, that can go into the superconscious. But when you understand these levels, you can begin to realize and see which level needs to be looked at. 
Is it that original conception from the beginning, step one? Is it step six? Each one is vital and critical, and we will discuss this. This is the first of, of several parts of this uh, series. So this lays out the six steps. He then continues, and we're going to discuss it more at length. He, he says like this. After he lays out these six steps, he applies it, he says, that when Kesser, remember Kesser is the word for superconscious, that when Kesser was emanated, so was in a state of concealment completely not revealed. A space that was not defined or contained in any way. So that's step number one, that concealed state. Something is there, but it's concealed state. You can think of it like that one cell. State step number two, he says, he says actually, he says the ain't self, the infinite, struck it to the point that something was revealed within it. Something else is now being revealed within it. Three, strikes it again. And it's defined for it, it, its location, so to speak. Its identity has become defined. Four, it strikes it again. And now it's the capacity to contain the spheres, all of them, the details. Five, that it emanates to the point, the power, that the spheres should emerge from it. And six, the power that each one should actually be in their particular location right before the birthing. And then he explains how all these six are in each of the ten spheres, which is not what we're concerned with right now. So, to sum it up in the context of what we're discussing, and in part two, we're going to develop this further, both in psychological and as well as in physics terms. Think of it this way. If, think of a faucet. A faucet in your sink where water is, is drawing, running out of the faucet, at whatever pace, drops, or a little quicker, but it's still a stream. Now this faucet is a regulator that's channeling a larger body of water that's coming from the pipes within your home, which are in turn connected to the water main, which in turn are drawing water from a reservoir, which in turn is drawing water from the rains or from melted snow, whoever water is, uh, wherever the source of water may be depending on different places in the world. What do you have here? The stream that's coming through the faucet is consciousness. That which is behind the scenes, you can't see. How much is there in this reservoir? And the same idea is true when you're talking about any type of experience where a drop is coming from some bigger state. The same thing with an idea. Now, this discussion is the six stages not of the faucet, of what's going on behind the faucet, what's going on in that superconscious place. So it's fascinating because this is really dissecting you and I. What's going on in that body that we cannot see, we cannot touch, we can't experience with our five senses? How, how, what, how are things developing there? And the better we understand that development, the better we will understand our conscious lives. So think of life as the tip of the iceberg. That's what it is, the tip of the iceberg, just a tip. 
barely a tip. And what we're discussing is the iceberg itself. And frankly, even beyond that, what develops and what shapes that iceberg. So in part two, we're going to now we're going to apply and discuss these six states as they apply to our lives and how we can look at them and see how they relate to our different experiences. And as I said at the outset, the relevance is everything that you do in your life, your relationships, your personal life, your love, how you love, your own inner fears, insecurities, inhibitions, your strengths, your weaknesses, are all conscious to you, but they're all driven by superconscious forces. And these six steps can help us understand it and even tinker with it in the proper way, and there are ways to do that. So I look forward to continuing part two. Thank you so much. This has been Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com. In part one of how consciousness is, how consciousness is born, six steps from the quantum superconscious to the conscious. I'd love to hear your feedback and thoughts and questions. And uh, please join us for part two. Next Wednesday will be next Wednesday night but will always be available in the archives. You go to MeaningfulLife.com where you can find this and many of our other pro- and all our other programs. Be well and be blessed. Thank you so much. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.